Scotiabank Saddle. Open welcome to this hour of Flames Talk. It is Thursday, January 18th, and it's uh, Steinberg and Aaron Vickers along with you. Vickers from NHL.com as we are underway this hour on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast. Hello, Vicks. Hey, Patty. How are we doing today, bud? We are doing well. Good, it's good. a uh, Hey, look, we're uh, sitting here on a Thursday. It's a game day for the Flames. The Maple Leafs are in town, which means there's always a different type of buzz around the building in the morning we've talked about it every year it's just it always just feels different when the maple leafs are involved but it's also a big chance for the flames a chance to do something they haven't done in a little under two years uh it was april 2022 the last time the flames put together a win streak of longer than four they're currently riding a four game win streak right now their longest of the season they did not win one more than four in a row last year. And uh, the last time they had a longer than four game win streak was April of 2022. That year, the 21 22 season, they also had a six game win streak and a 10 game win streak. So they were conditioned to winning lots of games in a row that year. Um, but teams that miss the playoffs generally don't string a lot of wins together. Teams that make the playoffs usually need two or three really nice runs and extended runs to get themselves in. Now, the Flames are on a decent run right now. They've won seven of their last nine. They're 7-2-0 in that stretch. But to make it five straight going into Saturday's massive battle of Alberta against an Oilers team that maybe, we'll see how Thursday night goes, but maybe could be riding a 12-game win streak, um, that's a potentially big accomplishment. Forget the Oilers, forget the Maple Leafs. For the Flames to put together five in a row, uh, knowing where this season looked like it was going or could have gone, or at the very least the, the fears of where this season could have gone in October, I, I think that's a potentially large accomplishment for this group. And not to look past the Toronto Maple Leafs, but if you can get that fifth and then you set up a potential sixth against the Edmonton Oilers on Saturday, that pretty much negates your six-game losing streak from earlier in the season where the Flames started 2-7-1 and and disaster loomed around the organization and the mood was sour and things weren't going the right way. Don't necessarily look at the six-game winning streak in January versus one at the tail end of October into November, but at the same time, that evens that out, that equates that. And the Calgary Flames, as you mentioned, yes, they've done a really good job of building back from that very poor start. And they find themselves in a position where now they're only two points out of a wild card spot. You continually string a couple wings together and you hope that either the Nashville Predators lose or you best the Edmonton Oilers on Saturday. And suddenly you're looking at a position where instead of chasing and looking up at five teams of the wild card spot, suddenly you'll find yourself there. Well, and and the other side of that is that we know how things can change on either side of it, right? right. Like it can we, – we've seen teams, whether it's the Flames or the Oilers, there's – the Flames, Kraken, Oilers. There's three perfect examples of teams that you – know, you, you looked at November and you're like – 
geez, are these going to be three write-off seasons for two playoff teams and a team that just missed last year? Like, are any of these teams going to figure it out? And then all three of them have done a pretty decent job of doing just that. Now the Flames and Kraken are knocking on the door, yep. and Edmonton looks like they're in. And so it, it can change in that way, right? You can get yourself back in pretty quickly or ask the L.A. Kings or Vegas Golden Knights uh, or Nashville Predators who all had pretty comfortable playoff spots at one point and now they're they're looking at teams you know legitimately breathing down their neck if you don't want to include the flames breathing down la's neck because there's the three games in hand well you know who really is the oilers who are a point back with games in hand on la so la's spot as a pacific division playoff team tenuous at best so i guess the point is it really puts an emphasis of yeah four games in a row is great seven wins and nine is great but that doesn't mean that you have accomplished anything it doesn't mean that you can be satisfied or or let off the gas and you know it goes back to one of the things that we talked about coming out of november so the flames go two six and one in october they put together a nice november to kind of erase that at eight four and two and then you, you wondered a little bit okay they had to work their asses off to get back into the mix does that what what type of or, or how heavily does that tax a team and it it did they took a hit in december yep. that was a pretty mediocre month of december so now the flames are putting together a nice month of january and they have done some nice things since the end of december and they need to make sure that the same thing doesn't happen and that's not an easy thing to do because it can be a lot of emotional investment and it does take a lot of kind of blood blood and sweat equity to to get where they're going and so the challenge for a team like the Flames, team like the Oilers, team like the Kraken is, okay, you've worked yourself back onto the cusp and you've worked yourself back to respectability. Now you got to sustain that and build on that. And that's why picking up a fifth straight win, that's why continuing to build on this last stretch is important. And it's why, you know, you take a look at this, this homestand, you're like, yeah, great. You've worked your way back into it, but you can't go 500 on this road trip. You got to make this a good stretch. You got to make the four games on the road coming out of the all star break a good stretch they got to keep on building because at at least a few of the other teams in this playoff fight are going to do just that yeah you've done well for yourself with the calgary flames in january but quite literally all it takes is two weeks to undo all that good work that you've accomplished and all that progress you've made by way of dropping two of three or three of four or what have you and then having a team like seattle or arizona go on a little mini heater because we've seen in this wild card chase i mean you can point to the edmonton oilers in their current 11 game winning streak and seattle was up to nearing double digits didn't quite get there before theirs fell off but it doesn't take much for one of these teams to go on a hot streak and if you're the calgary flames if and when this well not if this winning streak comes to an end because it's inevitable that Whoa, they're eventually going to lose one the rest of the way second. breaking news do we have that splitter you they're, you shut your trap right now. <laughs> their responsibility and their target is going to be, all right, that one ended, let's go start a new one because that's what's going to keep the Calgary Flames in the playoff picture. Um, you know, in some ways, I kind of hope that the Oilers have won 12 yeah. straight. What, regardless of what happens for the Flames against the Leafs, I really, um, I really hope that the Oilers have won 12 straight going into Saturday because I can tell you 
what the motivation level is going to be like in the home dressing room Saturday morning. They have an off day Friday, so the Flames will play Thursday night, then they won't hit the ice or do anything at the rink on Friday, and then Saturday morning they'll do a morning skate. If the Oilers come here in their first visit to Calgary since December of 2022 on a 12-game winning streak, the moti- I, I would be putting huge money on the Flames to end that streak on Saturday. And I say that only because that will be their Super Bowl, the opportunity <laughs> to snap the Oilers' win streak. So I, I kind of hope the Oilers do beat Seattle just for the simple reason that it would set up just an unbelievable storyline for Saturday. And it just feels like, oh boy, the Flames will be as fired up as they have been in ages to go out and end that streak on Saturday. We'll see how it plays out. But, um, you know, if, if they can make it five straight wins, if they can beat a Maple Leafs team that's playing some really um, frustrating hockey, but a team that we still know has the ability to um, to, to score and score in bunches, yep. I, I think that just adds to the accomplishment. Not only have you won five in a row, but also, you know, you your fifth straight win, longest win streak in almost two years comes against uh, a team that a lot of people look at as a Stanley cup contender and not to get too far ahead of ourselves because i know we'll talk a lot about the edmonton oilers on friday but the oilers really took off out of that winter classic game their winning streak didn't start there obviously but they started to build momentum from that game and a loss to the calgary flames on saturday wouldn't derail anything that they've accomplished over the course of the last two and a half months but it'd be nice if you're the calgary flames you could throw a little hiccup at your opponent at your provincial rival at your pacific division rival and end what is a franchise long at that point 12 game winning now the oilers still have to win on thursday night as well to to go there and to get to that spot but it would just be another added fun little wrinkle in the Battle of Alberta for me. Ah, absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, there's the potential that the two teams could have a combined 17 straight wins on Saturday, but both the Oilers and the Flames have got yeah. to take care of their business. Um, back to the main point. The Flames can't get... Uh, what Rob, Rob Kerr would use the term fat and sassy. You can't like <laughs> you, you, you can't... I heard you, that. Um, if you're the Flames, you can't be satisfied. You can't... You're too. You're too. You're still not in the playoff spot. You're yeah. too back of a wild card spot. There's nothing to be satisfied about. You can be proud of what you've done and uh, the the way that you've worked your way back into it to an extent. You can say, okay, we have been able to erase the bad start, but really, that's only gotten them to even footing. That's only gotten them to the bottom of the playoff race. They're going to need to keep on building. That was the message from Chris Tanev in the locker room after Thursday's morning skate. I wouldn't say it's an accomplishment. I mean, it's positive, right? We, where we're closer to where we want to be, where we expect to be. So um, after a, a tough start, so um, but I, th- I think just keep, as I said, keep doing the the right things, right, and um, doing them over and over again is why we've. Uh, been successful lately. But I mean, to follow up on that, like a six-game losing streak that early in the season would sink a lot of teams. So it does speak to the to this group that you guys have overcome that and, and, and as you said, clawed your way back in, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, we have uh, we have a tight group. We we have a lot of uh, actually, I mean, now a great mix of sort of older and, and younger guys. And I mean, I think bringing bringing those young guys up was a, a, a huge boost for us. And and Zars and, and Possibly have have been so good for us uh since they came and um 
that sort of saved, sort of gave us a little little juice. And uh, I think, um, yeah, as a group, as I said, we're tight. We want to we want to win. We want to do the right things to win. And I think it's just a matter of keep doing it, as I said, over and over again. It's uh, nice to um, it's nice to know that we have yet to get a text so far getting mad at us for talking about so the far winning so far um, like, guys what are you even doing talking about <laughs> the playoffs You're like well I don't know they're two points back of a playoff would you like us to lie would you like us to tell you that uh, that, that they're not in that spot it's like no, they're, they're two back of a playoff spot. That's that's whether you think they should do this or do that. The fact of the matter is they're two back of a playoff spot. So it would be silly for us to sit here and be like, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, where are the Flames going to draft? Number one or number two overall when they win the You don't the want to do the draft deep dive yet? Probably not. Okay. You know, it, it, that probably wouldn't make a whole lot of sense based on where they are 45 games into the season. Okay. Um, so, yes, I'm, I'm actually quite surprised that uh, we haven't gotten a text yet about us talking about them in playoff contention. It's A, we have no control over where they stand. Um, B, it would be very silly of us to not talk about the facts of the matter. Um, the same way we talk about how there's three key players on this team who don't have contracts beyond this season and how we talk about there's a really good opportunity for the Flames to pivot and go in a different direction. Those things are true, as is the fact that the Flames sit two points out of a playoff spot. Here, this one's a joke, but guys, what are you even doing talking about the playoffs? Or this says, why are you talking about the playoffs? Now, both have smiley faces on them, so they come tongue-in-cheek, but no, we did not get any, oh, this is so ridiculous. You guys are, this is an irrelevant conversation. Okay, I guess. Should I balance it out for Team Tank that Money Puck lists the Flames playoff probability at 23.6%, which is still a 1-4 in four chance, which is a lot better than it was even a month ago when they were floating around, what, that 6-8% mark somewhere yeah, in there? It seemed like, and, and they've been floating between 20 and 25% for the last little while. Yeah. So um, so you're saying there's a chance. This is uh, somebody getting mad at you for saying they're yeah. going to lose. Uh, the Flames sacrilege. The Flames will now go on a 74-game winning streak to end that the season. That one probably had an emoji attached to it in, in the heart, in the sense, in the feel, I feel like. So that would be, would that work? Like that, that 28, how many games do they have left? They have 44. 37 left 45 uh, plus 37 is 82 no, no. so yeah 37 yep. plus 28 is Come. 65 the the longest win streak that no that doesn't work either because then you wouldn't be on a win streak the longest win streak they could have is 53 if they won their remaining game 53 plus 4 uh 57 would be the longest win streak they could have if you counted them winning every playoff game oh okay you're including the last, that's yeah. you saw me looking at you a little squirrely like ah, pat your math is well, way off here but usually my math is way off yeah. so usually you look at me a little squirrely um this says uh why are you guys talking about the playoffs uh this says why are you talking about the Oilers hot streak fat and sassy pat um this says, hope the Flames lay an absolute beating to Tree Living's Maple Leafs to really turn up the noise on Toronto's struggles. Um, this says, you guys just don't get it. Mushy middle is what you want, I guess. No, that's not what we're saying. All we're saying we're is not... the Flames are where they are. Would you like me not to talk about where they sit in the standings? What the hell type of show would you like us to run where we're just talking about things that aren't factual? I can book us guests that we can run a draft show every day from here until Vegas if that works for us. Um... This says, uh, 
Yeah, but even this says including playoffs, but 74, you'd have to be carrying over into next, yeah. next year. I think they were being a little facetious. I don't think they were actually running math numbers on that one. It was tongue-in-cheek, I'm willing to bet. 57 is the longest win streak they could go on. The four now. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that would become an NHL record. The four now, the 37 to go would make it 41. So my math is wrong. 41 plus, plus 16. Oh, yeah. No, I yeah, was right. You're right. Yeah. Come on, Woo-hoo. man. And I just want everybody to know that's listening. He didn't even break out a calculator on that one. That was literally the top of his head. Steam coming out of the ears. You name it. But he got there. Uh, okay. We'll move from that to the other really interesting topic in the immediacy right now, and that is the Flames indeed recalling a forward from the American League uh, and, and the AHL's Calgary Wranglers. We talked about this at na- ad nauseum and, and at length, maybe not ad nauseum, but at length on Wednesday's program. Uh, it felt like a forward was coming up, and, and you know the guy that we talked about most heavily was Adam Klapka, yep. and he is indeed the guy coming up. Um, and I think it's a deserving recall. I'm glad this is the the way they went it, it felt like that was the way they were leaning yesterday and and he's he's really worked his way into this mix after being a pretty obscure signing the only oh, thing yeah. i remember so it was uh, the fall uh, not the fall the spring of 2022 i remember it vividly because the flames were i think they had just beaten dallas so it was between the dallas and oilers series if not it was between the end of the season and the dallas series but it was sometime in the spring of 2022 when the excitement vibes in this city were immaculate and uh and and i remember tweeting the flames have signed this guy and put the stats down and it was you know six eight and however long um and and i just remember the response on twitter was like hold on this guy's how big and the play like ever it must have had like a hundred replies on it like how big is this dude that they just signed but i remember the yep. first time i saw him was in penticton in the fall of 2022 was watching on the web web streams back here we weren't at that one and and i was like Geez, this guy's popping off the page. I'm interested to see this guy. Goes on to his first full year in the American League, comes back to training camp this year, has a great pen ticked him. Again, was one of the standouts at the Young Stars for the Flames. Um, then he jumps into the American League season. Now he's having another good year, 21 points in 33 games. This, and, and now has earned himself his first NHL call-up. Like, this guy has worked himself into the equation and worked himself into the mix where Craig Conroy and co. say, we need a recall, we need to shake up the fourth line. He's not playing against the Maple Leafs, which we'll get into, but just getting that recall for a guy that was never drafted and a guy that came over from the Czech Republic, and you're like, okay, so who's this guy? What's this guy all about? Well, it's been a pretty good two years in the Flames organization. He's a good example, and Flames fans should probably keep this front of mind, or at least Team Tank, when they're looking at the 2024 NHL draft class. Don't scout the stat line, because a year prior to him signing, he had 21 points in 49 games in the USHL, and he would have been, what, a 20-year-old in that league? Not ideal stat line and not ideal production coming out of... uh, the USHL, the, the major, not the major junior league, but the tier one junior league in the United States. And a year after that, he was playing in Czechia. He's playing in the men's league there and a little bit better. But yeah, until you get eyes on him and see the entire package of the size, okay, he's not Bambi out on the ice. You know, there's some elements that you can work with and build around that you might be able to construct an NHL player with a little bit of development. And lo and behold, in his, what, second season in the organization, 
here he is earning an NHL call up, and I, I one, everything you hear from uh, from a Wrangler standpoint is it's it's well earned, and two, the Calgary Flames have three lines that are going. The line that isn't going is the fourth line, and he strikes me as the type of player, the energy player, the size, the physicality. Uh, and that's just not running guys through the ends of the board. Yeah. It's getting in on four checks and disrupting with sticks and getting in front of the goalie and whatnot. Everything that we've heard Coach Ryan Huska talk about in terms of the identity for the fourth line, he's a candidate to bring. So it'll be when he does get into the lineup, and I firmly believe he will at some point, I'll be watching him closely to see what kind of impact he can have on that fourth line. Let's hear from Adam Klapka. He spoke with us after his first NHL morning skate on Thursday morning. He's not in the lineup, but uh, here is uh, Adam Klapka, who is on his first NHL recall right now. That's what you what you dream about since you you play hockey. So it was it was it was like my best day in my life, I can say, because you know I dream of it all my life, and I'm really happy that I can be here. Told you, like, where were you when you got told? Like I, we we were after practice with the Wranglers and the coach co- uh, coach uh, called me to the lock to the, to his office and I was the Brett Pascal. He called to his phone and told me that I'm getting called up. So that was a pretty awesome moment. Who did you call first? I called my parents and my girlfriend. What was their reaction? They were it was an emotion for them obviously because you know they they with me all all that. All that, all that time when I was growing up and play hockey, you know, my dad woke up with me every like 5 a.m. and took me on the practice and watched my practice almost, almost twice a week. So it was, it was really awesome for him and obviously for my girlfriend. You know, she's with me since, since I, I play hockey back home. So it was really emotion for for everyone who I called. Does it make it even more special coming in? And you know, you know Zary, you know Pasta, so you know these guys pretty well from the Wranglers. Yeah, it's fun just having friends here. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, all the guys here are really awesome. Like they're a really special group here. So, but obviously, I played with these guys last year. So it's it's a pretty cool moment to be with them in the NHL. Did they have advice for you? Oh, yeah. They just they just said like have fun and like play the best hockey what you can. It's a pretty cool time to come up with the Leafs and it buzz that's around oh, here right now. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's pretty new. All that stuff, you know. I just saw it in TV when I was. When I was back home two years ago, I just I, I came at the rink every time and I just watched the highlights from the NHL and now I'm I'm sitting with them in the locker room, so it's it's a special moment for me. Who uh, who are your players that you looked up to growing up, Adam, back home? Who are the guys that you loved or? Uh, I mean, I I I I like the guys you know who play like same hockey like me, so I was like the Katzlaff or all these all these guys. So I mean, I mean he's the guy who I look for and like it's great. We've heard that your, your development from the start of last season to now has just, you know, it's been up, up, up. What's the biggest thing that you feel like you've improved on since you arrived? I mean, like, the make the place and, you know, when on the tight spot, when you are on the tight spot and you can, like, make a make a, make a a play on the on the hockey stick. So, I mean, that's the one thing. And the second thing, I think it's, like, around the net because, you know, obviously my game is... Is built onto the golden net and go, be around the net, and I mean, you know, that pucks who are under me, it's like sometimes it's not easy for me to find them because you know, with my size. But I, I work on, I work on that like with the with the Wrangles coaches after practice almost every time, so I get better in that. That is Adam Klapka, who stands what six foot 
eight. Yep. Uh, and something in the two hundred two pounds. Two forty ish. Somewhere right there. Right. Six six foot eight, two forty. Um, and he is not going to play, which we'll get into in just a second against Toronto. But this guy is the gentle giant. Like he can't, he remembered everybody who he has interacted with in this market cake. Cause we had him in here during the preseason. I did a sit down with him. Uh, he was sitting right where Wilsey is. And so uh, he and I talked for like 15 minutes, did a pre-tape in here and came right up. He said, Hey, how's it going? How's the room? And like, uh, like, how's your room? And I was like, he remembered everybody went up to wet. Everybody who has, has talked to him. Yep. He was going up. Like he was so happy to be there. He came in and he saw all the media in there. Cause the Maple Leafs have their 1500 media people here too he's like whoa what am i walking into um and so this you, you can tell what this all means to him you can tell what uh how how appreciative he is of the journey that he's taken to get here and in saying all that he's not playing against <laughs> beliefs um and and i guess i understand to an extent because if you're ryan Huska and the coaching staff um you've got a win streak going you don't want to rock the boat too much. You had to make a change on Tuesday because Huberto was sick. Otherwise, they wouldn't have made the wouldn't have made a change. Right. So, going to keep rolling with the lineup. That's why Gilbert isn't coming in either. I think that they're. I think Gilbert's pretty much ready to go, but they're just wanting to stick with the same lineup and and stick with what's working. But I, the 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 rebuttal that I have is that the fourth line right now is one of the things that is holding the flames back a little bit because they don't have an identity. They don't have a uh, – you don't sit there and know what to expect from them. And far too often right now, the the number four line, however it's constructed, just goes out there and kind of fills space. And you need a fourth line to go out there and win shifts and set the other lines up, especially right. when you're the Flames. Like You don't need that necessarily when you're stacked in your top six. But when you're not a team that is based on your high-end talent and you're more of a – some of the parts team like the Flames are trying to be, you need your fourth line to be a part of that sum. And and right now they're not doing so. So for me, my, my rebuttal is put Klapka in. Gives him a new identity. This guy's not afraid to play physical. There's a, there's a little bit of Martin Pospisil in him with a, even a little bit more size. He's got some underrated skill. He's, he's a right shot. Uh, I think putting him on the right side of the fourth line at some point makes a lot of good sense. I think they will. But I, I, you know, I still selfishly would have liked to see him in tonight. I preface this next comment with the fourth line isn't about production, but just to highlight it a little bit, Greer doesn't have a goal or a point in 11. Dubé hasn't scored in 27 and hasn't got a point in 23. Zizka hasn't scored in 22 and doesn't have a point in 8. So what would be the harm in, in shuffling that up and getting a guy in on his NHL debut to inject some life, inject some energy into that group. Now I will counteract that by saying I do get it to a certain degree where Klapka's only had a, what, 20-minute twirl in a pregame skate on a game day to get acclimatized to everything that it, as it pertains to the Calgary Flames. It's not like he's going to get a practice, but, well, that, the, the other counter is, is if they're not practicing on Friday, he's not going to get that option either. But it just gives him a little bit more familiarity around what to expect and whatnot. But I'm like you. I want to see him in there. I want to see what he can do on NHL ice, how he can use that size to disrupt, how he can use that size to gain momentum for the fourth line too. Again, he doesn't have to come out and score a goal or get an assist or anything like that, but he has to help that fourth line set the table for the next line that hops over the boards yeah. because as it stands for the last 
X number of games, that fourth line hasn't done it. I, and I think he will make his debut at some point on this homestand. Um, but, uh, hey, let's uh, let's see how it plays out. Um, this uh, Let's read a few texts at 960. Uh, this says, fellas, I saw Klapka very close at a couple Wranglers practices. His hands very underrated, was tipping pucks on hard point shots and probably got nine of ten of them, and they were of various height and placement. Uh, this says um, from McKenzie, it's really heartwarming to hear how uh, these guys are finally getting a chance in the organization. Good on Conroy for letting the young kids play. Um, this says it really feels like management's on a similar page to fans this year. When fans call for certain line combos, they get tried out. Most fans were wanting Klapka to get recalled, and poof, he gets recalled. Is there any chance management considers fan input in some small way? Feels different to regimes in the past. Kind of nice. I don't think so. Um, but yeah, not to not to squash that one a little bit, but I'm not so. certain that Conroy's surfing Twitter right now looking for line combos. Uh, and or finally from yeah. Curtis and Ogden. Uh, afternoon, guys. It's nice to see Klapka get called up. I've seen this guy play for the last two years at the Wranglers. Absolutely love his game. I would take him over Dubé any day. I hope when he does get in, he shows that he deserves to be here for good. And that's what Pospisil did. That's what Zeri did. They got their recall, and then they stuck. Hasn't been the same thing with Kuznetsov and Solovyov right. or even Coronado. But, you know, all about different uh, different positions. But I like that, though, because times in their progression. you're forcing those young players to steal somebody's job. Agreed. And if you're not, you're not going to be gifted it. So I actually appreciate the fact that Pospisil and Zeri had to come up, do what they did, and maintain what they've done versus, you know, just, oh, let's just inject some youth for the sake of having a, a U23 or U24 player in the lineup. It's uh, Steinberg and Vickers along with you. This hour of Flames Talk is underway. And, uh, hey, skating is great, especially when shared with friends. It's even greater when it helps the homeless. So sharpen your blades, gather your gang, and please sign up for the first-ever Great Skate Fundraiser in support of In From The Cold, hosted at Canada's Greatest Skating Rink, the Olympic Oval in Calgary, the Great Skate is a fun eight-hour team relay that's open to everyone, 12 years of age and up. Be great, too, simply by skating to help others this January 28th. Go to thegreatskate.ca now to register one more time. To register, go to thegreatskate.ca. Flames Talk is live on Calgary's Hockey Station. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, time now for a Thursday edition of the Daily Flames Roundtable brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Save thousands on the 2023 GLB 250, GLC 300 Coupe, C300 or the GLC 300. Zero down and a 2% loyalty lease rate reduction. Steinberg, Vickers and Derek Wills all around the table on our Daily Flames Roundtable here at the Hot Stove Lounge at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. So, gents, uh, few players have fallen into this category this year we've highlighted a, a bunch of them this week certainly throughout the season but it's, it's been a while since we've talked at length about this guy and and I wanted to start off the Daily Flames roundtable by just asking the question you go all the way back to the start of the season in October guys where would the Flames be without Nazem Kadri this year not where they are uh, they would be below 500 in my opinion and for the first time this season, they are three games above 500, thanks in large part to number 91. Just take a look at what happened on Tuesday night. Scored the game-tying goal 
and then got the primary assist on the game-winning goal that Yegor Sharangovich scored late in overtime in that 3-2 come-from-behind victory over the Coyotes. And Nazem Kadri, you could argue, is having the second-best season of his NHL career. Now, he was unbelievable for the Avalanche when they won the Stanley Cup. Remember, Nathan McKinnon missed a good chunk of the regular season, yep. so Nazem Kadri was elevated from the team's second-line center to the first-line center, had that added responsibility, and dealt with it really well, put up a career-best 87 points for the Avalanche back in 2021-2022. But, you know, right now he is... On a hot streak, he's got a a seven-game point streak, five goals and ten points during that stretch. And when you start to project where he could be if he continues on this pace uh, come the end of the season, with 15 goals in the first 44 games, he's on pace for 28, which would be his sixth career 20-goal season. And with 36 points in the first 44 games, he's on pace for 67, which would be the second-highest total of his NHL career. And what I love about Nazem Kadri is that even when he's not scoring goals and producing points, and I've said this about a few guys over the last few days, he's still doing things to help the team win. Mm -hmm. Here's one of those things. There are only two players in the NHL who have drawn more penalties than Nazem Kadri. Can you guys name them? Connor Uh, McDavid? Brady Kachuk is one of them. That's correct. I don't know the second one. Matthew, oh, wait, wait, wait. Matthew? Matthew Kachuk. Okay, it was Matthew Kachuk. <laughs> there, was, there was another one that was in there that that was near the top the last time I looked. That you're like, really? That's a guy drawing a lot of... But I know, That I don't wasn't a bad is. guess, by the way. I figured just historically. Because normally but... with his feet uh, and his speed, he's... So it's uh, Brady and Matthew. Yeah, Brady's at 28, Matthew's at 27, and Nazem is at 26. So... That tells me that he is playing the game the right way because you don't draw penalties unless you're playing the right way and unless you're being a pain in the butt. And that's when Nazem Kadri has always been at his best. And I think over the course of his career, he's been able to find that fine line of yes, getting under his opponent's skin but doing it in a way where he doesn't take too many penalties. He's a heck of a player, and I know that there's been a lot of heat on uh, Flames management, past and present, both in the building tonight, uh, about some of the contract extensions they signed over the last couple of years. But uh, right now, I don't think you can question the Nazem Kadri contract. He's 33, but he's playing more like a mature 23-year-old right now. Well, and Wilsey, you mentioned he's on pace uh, statistically for his second-highest point-producing year in his career and he did that with only one assist in the first eight games. Yeah. So we're sitting at ballpark somewhere around 20% of that sample size, and he only had one point in it. Now, since then, he's second on the team in scoring, just like he is overall. But he has 14 goals and 34 points in 35 games since that start that statistically wasn't good. And I know he probably rubbed some people the wrong way when he was rolled out for media. He's like, well, no, I think I'm playing pretty good. I just need one or two to go in to get going. And the underlying metrics backed up what he was saying back then, but one assist in eight games certainly didn't. But lo and behold, he gets some traction, and all of a sudden he's produced at a point per game since. And he's been an offensive leader. He's been a goal-scoring leader. But to me, he injects so much passion into the Calgary Flames. You don't need to look any further than his goal against the Arizona Coyotes when he pointed back at Pospisil for that one-handed pass and let out an expletive that I think we could probably hear up in the press box. He is one of the guys that is the motor of the Calgary Flames with his passion and his energy and his leadership ability in that way, and he has been absolutely key for the Flames. Well, and you know, Wilsey, the thing that you said about how 
you know, he's he's doing things even when he's not producing. He he does things that help the team. That's something that you couldn't say down the stretch last year. Yeah. Uh, when when I think the ire of fans was most pointed at him and, and was hottest was after the All-Star break last year where things really dropped off. And it was during that stretch where really putting up points was the only thing he was contributing. The, the away from the puck play wasn't very good. And some of the details weren't very good. He was easy to knock off pucks. It was just, he was a really frustrating player for the final 35 games or so last year. Well, pretty much all season, we haven't seen that. And, you know, when he was not putting up points early in the year, when he was going those nine games, ten games, whatever it was, without a goal, I think he scored his first goal at the Heritage Classic, right? And uh, when, when he was, even when he was not playing well then, you could still tell that he was doing good things. You could still tell he was working hard. You could still tell that he was trying to be that engine. And then finally the points started to catch up to him. And now he's he's really rolling. So I think he's been, I mean, we've talked a lot about Blake Coleman and, and deservingly so because Blake Coleman's been as consistent as they come. Jacob Markstrom's been great uh, and has been as consistent as they come. And, and so has Nazem Kadri. Those have kind of been the three permanent engines for the Flames this year. And it's, uh, it's, it's really impressive in year two as a member of the Flames. And the other thing that shouldn't get lost, and I know it hasn't in the coach's office or in the dressing room, is that he is centering two young players. And sure, you could argue that Connor Zary being put onto his line got him going offensively. But I think it's way more about Nazem Kadri really helping two young players in Connor Zary on his left and Martin Pospisil on his right acclimate to the NHL and show them on the ice and off the ice what it takes to play in this league and to, to be an everyday player because this is an everyday league. This guy leads by example. He's got a great resume with what he's accomplished in this league personally and uh, having won a Stanley Cup. And I think he's been a great role model for not only Cotter Zeri and Martin Pospisil, but other players on this team, young and old alike. So he's been great. And when I think about last season, guys, in hindsight, I can come up with some excuses for what we saw from Nazem Kadri in the back half of the season. So I think you could argue he was their best player prior to the All-Star break. And fitting that he represented the team at the All-Star game. After that, he didn't look like the same guy. I think a couple of things uh, were, were factors there. Number one, I talked about the heavy lifting he had to do playing in Nathan McKinnon's spot for a good chunk of the regular season and then playing four rounds in the playoffs and, and winning a Stanley Cup. And remember, his freaking finger was pretty much hanging off when they sealed the deal and, and captured the championship. So, you know, he battled through some injuries, and that takes a toll on you mentally and physically. You have a shorter off season, yep. not as much time to recover. Uh, becomes an unrestricted free agent, signs a big contract uh, to come to Calgary, uh, plays really well for the Flames, and then goes to the All-Star game, comes back, and and isn't as impactful. And I don't think that he was seeing eye-to-eye with the former head coach. No, definitely not. And I wonder if he wasn't maybe seeing eye-to-eye with some players in that dressing room who had Daryl Sutter's back, who are no longer here. No need to name names, but uh, I'm sure our loyal listeners can come up with a couple. So uh, a little bit different dressing room, uh, a much different dressing room if, if you factor in uh, a new head coach in Ryan Huska. And I think uh, all of that and having a longer offseason to, to get back to 100% physically, 
and mentally has Nazem Kadri playing, if not the best hockey of his career, then certainly some of it. Five goals and 18 points in 32 games on the back half of last season post-All-Star break. So now yeah. the challenge for Nazem Kadri is to make sure that doesn't drop off again. Will Z laid out uh, several facts or scenar- not scenarios, but what hindered him at the tail end of last season. And now it's on him to make sure that it goes 82. It's our Daily Flames roundtable from the Dome on this Thursday. Derek Wills, Aaron Vickers, Pat Steinberg along with you. He's uh, not going to play against the Maple Leafs on Thursday night. Flames are going to go with essentially the same lineup. Uh, I know there will be changes because Walker Dewar has been assigned to the Wranglers and, and Huberto's back in from the win over Arizona. But essentially that, that, those changes were forced on Calgary. This will be the same lineup they've gone with for the most part during this win streak. Um, um, so even though it's not going to be against the Maple Leafs, how excited are we to uh, see Adam Klapka get into some NHL action? I'm excited because this guy's kind of come out of nowhere. This is just his second professional season in North America, wasn't drafted, played a couple of years in the USHL to acclimate himself to North America, but he was pretty raw when the Flames signed him, and he's a big guy. They don't have a ton of size on this team, especially after they traded Nikita Zadorov. But at six foot eight, when he plays, he'll be the tied for the tallest player in the NHL. And at two hundred and thirty five pounds, he'll be the twelfth heaviest player in the league. And, and just watching him as he did some media this morning, he is a mammoth man. Yes. yes. He is huge. <laughs> And he's only 23, so he's probably going to only get bigger and stronger. I got 6'1", and my arm was way up there trying to get good mic placement. It wasn't hard to see him towering over that large scrum of media inside of the Flames dressing room this morning. But, you know, had pretty good numbers last year, his his first pro season here in North America. 13 goals and 25 points in 60 games with the Wranglers. This year he's been even better. 10 goals and 21 points in 33 games. And... Even though he was raw, I think the Flames saw a diamond in the rough there. You've got a guy with size who doesn't, I think you used this earlier, Aaron, doesn't look like Bambi on skates, yeah. but huh. he's really worked hard on his overall game. And I haven't watched him a ton, I'm not going to lie, but uh, I've talked to people who have, and they all say the same thing. He has shown market improvement over the last couple of seasons. So I'm anxious to see him. Uh, A, because of what he's accomplished in his first two years with the organization, and B, because as you guys have talked about, Flames need more from their fourth line. Right now, this is a team that has, I would say, two goaltenders going. They have two pairings, and you could probably argue three pairings going, and they have three of four forward lines going. And with, with what they're asked to do, you would think that, Getting the fourth line going wouldn't be that hard. They've got some different options they can use. They asked those guys to play a pretty simple game. So, hey, if it's Adam Klapka or maybe Jacob Pelche or Kevin Rooney coming back that gets that group going, then that's going to be great. Yeah, for me, this isn't necessarily Klapka-specific, but I'm excited to see how the next prospect forward does in their first sort of audition with the Calgary Flames. And he'd be, what, the third guy from Penticton, the Young Stars Tournament, to play in a game this year. Klapka, Coronado, Kuznetsov. He'd be the sixth prospect in general to come up from the Wranglers with Coronado, Pospisil, Zeri, Kuznetsov, and Slovyov. And then just to Wilsey's point there, I'd be curious to see if he's the guy that can be the fresh face that helps the fourth line because as he as you laid out, Wilsey, it hasn't been the line that's helped set the table for the other three. And a, a player like Klapka, with his enthusiasm, with his size, with his ability to, to disrupt, could potentially be a fit there. 
that helps the Flames get four lines going instead of three. They just they 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 desperately need a fourth line that brings more to the table right now. Uh, that that's one of the things that that's holding this group right right back right now. They just they don't have an identity. They don't have the right mix there. And when they go out there for the seven, eight, nine minutes they play a night, they're kind of just killing time. And that's the exact opposite of what a flame, the way this Flames team is built. They can't have a throwaway line. They, yeah. need, they need lines to have roles and to execute those roles. And, and unfortunately, the only role that the fourth line is playing right now, and I hate to be so harsh, but right now the way that it's constructed and the way that the, everybody, the, the four names that have rotated through there, they go out there and it's just to buy time for one of the three other three lines to get Cardio. back out on the ice. Yeah, and so they, they need, like I, for instance, I, I think – Adding Klapka to that line has a great opportunity to get Greer going. And now all of a sudden, who if you can find the right center iceman between those two, it's like, okay, well, all of a sudden you've got an identity on the flanks. We know how hard-nosed Greer plays and, and how relentless he can be on the forecheck. Now you've got this absolutely hulking monster in, in <laughs> Klapka on the right who plays with pace, who's got some underrated hands, isn't afraid to use his size and, and use his physicality. You get a center iceman that can play with pace in there. I, I, honestly, I, I don't think Rizicka would be the right fit, but, you know, Dubé plays with some pace and, and might be the type of center to be a nice a nice speed addition to those two on the flanks, or maybe it's a Rooney or a or a Bishop from the American League. I don't know, but I just all of a sudden you can start to see a different identity start to, to form on a fourth line, and now maybe you've got a line that you can throw out confidently and be like, yep, they're going to go out there and, and routinely win their shit because that's what they need. And he's the right shot, right winger. Which they don't don't have have a lot of of those in the organization. I know we're talking about Adam Klapka here, guys, but just thinking about the fourth line, I think the biggest problem is the center. I I do, and I wonder if you find the right guy to play up the middle if the wingers instantly become better. Because for the most part, A.J. Greer has given this team everything and more than they probably expected him to. But I think his game has fallen off of late. And on the right side, yeah, you need more from whoever's playing in that spot, whether it be Dylan Dubé tonight or Walker Dewar if he ends up getting recalled at some point in time, or Adam Klapka. So uh, I do wonder if, if Kevin Rooney comes back and gives them what they need as the fourth-line centerman, if it gets the wingers going as well. But again, there are a lot of problems this team could have. For me, this is almost the best problem to have because I see so many different solutions, whether it be Klapka, whether it be the two guys we've talked about, Rooney and Pouchier coming back hopefully sooner rather than later, whether it be Dubé finally getting a goal or a point and getting some of his confidence back. They've got a lot of different guys who could help them solve what is their biggest problem right now, and that's getting their fourth line going. And if that's your biggest problem, you're probably in a way better spot than you were not that long ago. I'd rather have my fourth line cold, Wilsey, than my first line. I can tell yeah, you that right yeah. now. But the fact of the matter remains is that fourth line has a 42.6 expected goals for, and that is not, quote-unquote, setting the table for the guys that are popping yeah. over the boards next. And the best part is if Klapka gets in and scores a goal, you can call it a clap bomb. Because it's, a clapper. It's, uh, a clapper, a clap bomb. They, like, it, it is tailor-made for us. If Adam Clapper I'm not using clap bomb. That's terrible. No? Are you going to use a clapper, though? Clapper, maybe. Yeah, I like clapper. Yeah, I'm just saying, uh, these, are, these are things that hockey people use. This, uh, these are, these are what, what's the hockey show? Um, 
Letterkenny. Yeah, that's it. Shorzy? Shorzy and Letterkenny. It's a yeah, clap bomb sauce, you know, all the and all the celly. Just thinking out loud. When he comes on the ice, I can say clap on. And when he goes off the yeah, ice, I'll right, that that do it for the uh, <laughs> Daily Flames round table today. Uh, he's Derek Wills. He's Aaron Vickers. My name is Pat Steinberg. That'll start to uh, wrap this hour up. Thanks to uh, Cam and Shan back downtown for uh, holding down the fourth. The Daily Flames round table wraps up the hour. And it's brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Mercedes invented airbags and automatic braking systems. It makes sense they came up with the unparalleled EQ lineup, 0% lease rate on select 2023 models. See in-store for more details.